Hey, everybody. It is Monday, February 20th. It is President's Day here in the U.S. You're listening to the Mo News Podcast. I'm Mo Shwanunu. This is the place where we bring you just the facts and we read all the news and read between the lines so you don't have to. Jill Wagner is off today, so it'll just be me for the next couple days. So let's get started here with all the news over the weekend. There was a major face-to-face meeting between the U.S. and China, the first since the balloon downing. The longest living president in American history, Jimmy Carter, has been moved into hospice care that comes as tributes are starting to pour in. It now appears that anyone has a chance to get one of those coveted Facebook or Instagram blue check verified marks, but you're going to have to pay up. The publisher behind many famous Roald Dahl books like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory says it's time to revise some of the words in his books, and many people, including folks in the Mo News audience, are not happy about it. We'll tell you about the fallout at CNN following Don Lemon's sexist remarks about presidential candidate Nikki Haley. Late last week, Spain joined a growing number of countries offering paid leave if you are suffering from painful periods. I'll tell you about that. And of course, we'll end, as always, with On This Day in History. All right, let's start with some presidential news on this President's Day here in the U.S. Former President Jimmy Carter has decided to forego all further medical treatment and has entered hospice care at his home in Georgia. The announcement came on Saturday from his Carter Center. At 98 years old, he is the longest living president in American history. The Carter Center said in a statement that after a series of short hospital stays, former President Carter has decided to spend his remaining time at home with family and receive hospice care instead of any additional medical intervention. Hospice is defined as care for terminally ill patients when the priority is not to provide further treatment, but just to reduce pain and discomfort towards the end of your life. The former president still lives with his wife, Rosalind, who, by the way, is 95 years old. Carter has already survived a series of health crises in his 90s, including a bout with skin cancer melanoma, which had spread to his liver and brain, as well as repeated falls. In 2019, alone at the age of 95, he fell at least three times, at one point breaking his hip, at another point requiring 14 stitches. Each time he bounced back, there are photos of him all bruised up atop a roof, fixing a home for Habitat for Humanity at age 95. Jimmy Carter served one term as the 39th president from 1977 to 1981. He defeated Gerald Ford to win the presidency, but then would lose just after four years to Ronald Reagan. Historically speaking, he's not viewed as a very successful president. However, his post-presidency and charity work is the thing that many people remember him for. On this President's Day, keep in mind he has a couple superlatives. He is currently the oldest living president. He is the longest lived president in history at age 98. He had the longest post-presidency in history. He left office 42 years ago. And he is the longest married president in history. His marriage to his wife, Rosalind, is now in its 76th year. And one more piece of trivia for you on this President's Day. Carter is one of five living former presidents that also includes Bill Clinton, George W. Bush, Barack Obama, and Donald Trump. All right, we're also watching a number of headlines related to Asia as we start the week. The top diplomats from the U.S. and China met face-to-face for the first time since the U.S. shot down that Chinese spy balloon a couple weekends ago. Over the weekend, U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken issued blunt warnings to his counterpart regarding Beijing's spy balloon program and fears that China could start to step up its support, including military aid, to Russia in its invasion of Ukraine. The meetings took place behind closed doors at a summit in Munich, Germany over the weekend. Blinken did a bunch of interviews on Sunday with several media outlets. 
he told one that he had a, quote, very direct, very clear conversation about the Chinese balloon that had violated international law. And he said that the action was unacceptable and must never happen again. Remember, by the way, that Blinken was supposed to go to China the weekend the balloon went public and the U.S. had to cancel that meeting. The face-to-face also comes amid new U.S. concerns that China is seriously considering providing military aid to Russia, something it hasn't done in the past year. Blinken told the Chinese that would be unacceptable as well. Whether Chinese will heed the warning uh, from Blinken is unclear. U.S. officials would not really characterize China's reaction to these statements, though they did say the Chinese made a point of not apologizing for the balloon incident. The other story we're watching out of Asia this week is the aftermath of that latest North Korean missile test. On Sunday, the North Koreans said their latest test of an ICBM, an intercontinental ballistic missile, was meant to further bolster its fatal nuclear attack capacity. Their test of an ICBM came on Saturday. It's their first missile test since New Year's Day. And it was among the many recent tests that the North Koreans launched at a very steep angle vertically, basically straight up into space and then back down over Japan, uh, though they tried to make a point of not hitting Japan or any land, but they want to showcase the strength and the, and the distance of this missile because the flight data shows that if this missile had been launched at a normal angle, not straight up, it could theoretically have reached the U.S. The U.S. has been conducting military drills with the South Koreans as part of their normal preparation. So the North Koreans decided to respond to those drills with the latest Kim Jong-un uh, ICBM test here. It's viewed as Kim Jong-un's attempt to expand his country's nuclear arsenal, missile arsenal, and get what he thinks is the upper hand in future dealings with the U.S. Keep in mind, Thursday was the birthday of Kim Jong-il. That was Kim Jong-un's father, who ruled before him until he died in 2011. So the North celebrates uh, Kim Jong-il's birthday as a major holiday. Oftentimes, they'll honor the leader's holidays with missile tests or major weapons tests. Kim Jong-un took over for his father in his late 20s. He now is approaching 40 years old, we believe. His nuclear arsenal is what he sells the people as his biggest achievement, especially given that it's a long-suffering, starving nation. 25 million people living under the rule of his grandfather, then his father, now him. It's one of the most closed authoritarian regimes on Earth. And so what he will sell the people is this military prowess, these military achievements, these tests that are often touted. So this most recent test is just the latest sign that Kim Jong-un continues to do that. Okay, let's take a quick break here before we get to the speed read to thank our sponsors this week. I feel like something we often talk about on this podcast is sleep studies, the importance of getting good night's sleep to your health. And we have some great news today from Mo News listeners about one thing that could help you. Bolin Branch Bedding and Sheets is extending their special deal for all of you. They're offering 15% off plus free shipping for a limited time with the promo code MONEWS. My wife and I got our first set of Bowling Brand sheets uh, made of 100% organic cotton a few months ago, and it has been a game changer. A reminder, we spend a third of our lives in bed, so sheets are a very big deal. Bowling Brand sheets are keeping us very warm this winter, and what is great is that with every wash, they get softer and softer. So I urge all of you to head over to bullandbranch.com. That is B-O-L-L-A-N-D branch.com, bullandbranch.com. For a limited time, get 15% off your first set of sheets and free shipping when you use the promo code MONEWS. Again, that is bullandbranch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D branch.com, promo code MONEWS. Okay, now let's talk about something that is also so important to your health, getting all your vitamins and supporting digestion and gut health. 
I first started using Athletic Greens AG1 powder last fall. It's just one scoop with a glass of water in the morning. It's easy, quick, and lets you get on with your day knowing that you've gotten over 75 important ingredients, including tons of vitamins and minerals. What's great about the AG1 powder is it also has pre and probiotics to support digestion, gut health. We know how important that is. And with your first purchase of AG1, Athletic Greens is giving Mo News listeners a free one-year supply of their vitamin D and five free travel packs of AG1. You can head over to athleticgreens.com slash monews to take advantage of this offer. You can get a monthly subscription or try it for just one month. Again, athleticgreens.com slash monews, M-O-N-E-W-S, for this special deal, it'll really allow you to start to take ownership of your health. All right, everyone, it is now time for the speed read. Let's start with a story out of the Guardian newspaper that has lit up our Instagram feed. The books written by famous children's author Roald Dahl are being rewritten, at least certain words are, to remove language deemed offensive by the publisher and rights owner. The Roald Dahl Story Company, which controls the rights of the book, keep in mind Dahl died back in 1990, is working with the publisher and rights owner Puffin to review the text because it wants to ensure that Dahl's stories continue to be enjoyed, in their words, by all children today. The publisher, Puffin, has now hired sensitivity readers, they announced last week, to rewrite chunks of Dahl's original text. It has resulted in a number of changes across his works. Many of us remember reading Dahl's books as kids. I certainly do. Includes Fantastic Mr. Fox, James and the Giant Peach, The BFG, Matilda, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Those are just a few of his famous books. Among the things that are reportedly being cut by the sensitivity readers includes the word fat, which has been cut from every new edition of relevant books. The word ugly has also been cut out. Augustus Gloop in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory is now described as enormous... And in the Twits, Mrs. Twit is no longer ugly and beastly, but just beastly. There have also been a few cases where gender-neutral terms have been added. In Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, the Oompa Loompas were once described as small men. In new editions, they will now be described as small people. Over in James and the Giant Peach, the cloud men have become cloud people. We have more of the explanation here from the publisher. They write that when publishing new print runs of books written years ago, it's not unusual to review the language used alongside updating other details, like the book's cover and page layout. Keep in mind, when we're talking about Dahl's books, more than 300 million copies have been sold over the last 60 years, and they've already been translated into 68 languages. The reaction here has been very divided. Among those opposed to this is famous author Salman Rushdie. He reacted angrily on Twitter over the weekend, writing that Roald Dahl is no angel, but this is absurd censorship. Puffin Books and the Dahl Estate should be ashamed. Rushdie was just one of a few people who were very upset about this. I put up a poll on the Monus Instagram account. It's pretty split right now as I record this with about 10,000 people voting so far. Some of you agree with Rushdie and some of the other critics here saying this is a sign of so-called woke culture and that this is effectively art, that art should not be edited for cultural sensitivities. At the same time, many of you telling me that you're already editing outwards from these books like Ugly and Fat and other references that would upset your children. And this is par for the course and makes sense for uh, books to be updated with the times. There are others who are trying to split the difference here, saying that the original versions and the new edited versions should both be available for purchase. Uh, keep in mind, by the way, this is not the first revision Roald Dahl has faced through the years. He was facing pushback already back in the 1970s to the first edition of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. The LA Times reports that in his first edition, the Oompa Loompas were actually described as black African pygmies shipped in boxes to work in Willy Wonka's factory. That was changed in the 1970s 
due to protests to those fantastical orange creatures. And keep in mind that Netflix has now bought the rights to Dahl's books, so expect to see more changes in the coming years. I should note, by the way, as Salman Rushdie noted, that Roald Dahl himself was no angel. We discussed this a bit on the Instagram account, that uh, Dahl himself was a controversial figure. He was a virulent anti-Semite, making many anti-Jewish comments throughout his life, saying actually at one point that Hitler didn't pick on the Jews for no reason. Dahl's family has since apologized for his anti-Semitism after his death. All right, now to a story we're watching abroad from the BBC. Turkey has ended rescue efforts in all but two provinces almost two weeks now after the massive earthquake that killed tens of thousands of people. Searches continue in two regions, including Hatay. Over the weekend, they actually found several people who somehow survived miraculously under the rubble for 11 and 12 days, respectively. One man, after 11 days under the rubble, reunited with his wife and 12-day-old infant. I featured this on the Mo News Instagram account. Definitely go check that out. Just before the earthquake hit two weeks ago, he was at the hospital. His wife was undergoing a C-section to give birth to their child. He took a breather outside, and that's when the earthquake happened. The building collapsed on him. His wife and infant turned out to be okay, but he was buried under rubble for 11 days. They found him early Friday. He's recovering, and the reunion photos with his infant and wife are really, really amazing. Again, you can find those over on the Mo News Instagram account. At the same time, hopes are fast fading that anyone else will be found alive in the rubble. Nearly 50,000 people are now confirmed to have lost their lives in southeastern Turkey and northern Syria, though officials actually believe that the numbers in Syria are not accurate, and actually the death toll is much higher. The government there has not been updating numbers for a few days now. In Turkey alone, nearly 350,000 apartments have been destroyed, many people still missing. Neither country, neither Turkey nor Syria, have actually been able to say how many people are still missing after all this time. The world continues to come to the aid of Turkey. U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken arriving in Turkey over the weekend, announcing a $100 million humanitarian aid package. But keep in mind, given the just vastness of the destruction, you're looking at a multi-decade, multi-billion dollar recovery effort here. Now to a tech story we're watching from the website The Verge. Meta, the parent company of Facebook and Instagram, wants power users to start paying for some site features with a new service they're calling Meta Verified. It appears here that Meta is taking a page from Twitter's playbook and charging for a verified blue check. Historically, these verified blue checks were given out by Instagram and Facebook to celebrities or notable personalities uh, or companies. Now everyone's going to have their chance, but you're going to have to pay for it. According to officials there, for $11.99 a month on your desktop or $14.99 if you buy it via mobile, users will get a blue badge and direct access to customer support with this new Meta Verified program. They're rolling it out this week in Australia and New Zealand, but they plan to soon expand it to other countries, according to Meta founder Mark Zuckerberg. The company's describing this as a gradual test they're going to continue to roll out. They say that this new feature is about increasing authenticity and security across services. To become eligible for Meta Verified, you'll have to submit a government ID to prove your identity, and subscribers will be allowed to only use their legal names on their profile pages. As part of this monthly payment, which is going to take you anywhere between $140 to $200 a year, subscribers will also get extra impersonation protection against accounts claiming to be you. Basically, you'll have a direct line into the company if somebody's impersonating you. Here's a catch, by the way, if you're looking to verify Facebook and Instagram, 
Those who want blue badges on each of their accounts, Facebook and Instagram, you'll have to pay at least $24 a month, though at some point Meta says they will bundle the subscriptions. If you already have a verified account, you will be able to retain it at no cost for now. As I mentioned earlier, this follows Twitter's rollout of the Twitter Blue service, which they charge users $8 a month for, for a blue checkmark. Notably, last week, Twitter said that anyone who's not Twitter Blue will no longer be able to have two-factor security authentication through text messages. It's an interesting move to try to get people to subscribe to this Twitter Blue service because it effectively means that it'll be easier in some ways for people to hack your account unless you're paying for Twitter Blue. So it's an interesting move here that Instagram and Facebook are following. They are approaching it in some different ways from Twitter, and it's a story we will certainly continue to follow here. Now to a bit of media news from the Daily Beast. For the second straight weekday, CNN host Don Lemon was not anchoring the network's morning show after controversial sexist remarks he made on air last week. Lemon was off on Friday, and he was off again on Monday. This is all fallout from a controversy that started on Thursday when Don Lemon said on air that Nikki Haley, the presidential candidate, is past her prime. In her announcement last week announcing her presidential campaign, Haley had brought up age a number of times, saying that her opponents, like Joe Biden and Donald Trump, were past their prime. Lemon, on Thursday morning, appeared to take issue with that, saying that Haley herself is past her prime, and it prompted frustration from his co-hosts, Poppy Harlow and Caitlin Collins. Take a listen to a bit of it. This whole talk about age makes me uncomfortable. I think that I think it's the wrong road to go down. She says people, you know, politicians or something are not in their prime. Nikki Haley isn't in her prime. Sorry. When a woman is considered to be in her prime in her 20s and 30s and maybe 40s. What are you that's talking acor- about? That's not according to me. Prime for what? Uh, it depends. I mean, it's just like prime. If you look it up, it'll. If you look, if you Google when is a woman in her prime, it'll say twenties, thirties, and forties. I don't necessarily. Forties. Oh, I got another. I'm not saying decade. I agree with that. So I think she has to be careful about saying that you know politicians aren't in their I think prime. You need, they need to qualify. To are you talking about prime for like child bearing, or are you talking about prime for being president? What the facts are. Google it. Everybody at home. Lemon faced outrage not only from his co-hosts there, but from a number of people across media, politics, Nikki Haley herself. Lemon ended up apologizing to his CNN colleagues on Friday on an internal call. Haley, who's 51, by the way, has also been talking about this all weekend long. She's been calling out the 56-year-old Don Lemon for misogyny and sexism. And this all comes as age will be a major issue this cycle. By the time voters weigh in next year in the first primaries and then in the general election, President Biden will be 81 years old, and Donald Trump will be 77 years old, turning 78 next year. Okay, our next story comes to us from Politico. The Spanish parliament on Thursday approved the creation of paid sick leave for women suffering from incapacitating periods. That makes Spain the first country in Europe to do so. The new bill creates the possibility for women in the country to call in sick in case of incapacitating menstruation and still get paid. Women in Spain now have the right to three days of menstrual leave a month with the option of extending it to five days if they experience painful periods. Spain now joins several other countries that have paid menstrual leave enshrined in law. That includes Japan, South Korea, Vietnam, Taiwan, and Zambia. I posted about this on Instagram over the weekend, gotten a lot of comments, many from women who say this is long overdue, others who are concerned this reinforces gender stereotypes, and that even if this was the law, they would be concerned about taking this. Notably, I heard from a few women who work in Japan, and they reached out to Mo News to say that even though it's the law there to be able to take menstrual leave, many don't. It's frowned upon culturally and viewed as uh, something you don't do, even though you're allowed to. And finally, some good news from the AP. An aquarium in Arizona is celebrating the hatching of three endangered African penguins recently. 
Officials at the Odyssey Aquarium made the announcement on Friday. They hatched a few weeks ago and will remain behind the scenes with their parents until they're ready for a public appearance. African penguins have suffered a massive population decline over the decades and are listed as endangered, so this is a big deal. Aquarium officials say that the three tiny penguin chick additions are genetically valuable as zoos and aquariums around the world are now working to ensure the survival of the African penguins through various breeding programs and conservation efforts. All right, now it's time for On This Day in History, a happy 231st birthday to the U.S. Post Office. On this day in 1792, President George Washington signed the Postal Service Act. All right, now let's fast forward to the 20th century, a bit of Supreme Court history for you. On this day in 1905, in a major case called Jacobson v. Massachusetts, the Supreme Court, by a 7-2 vote, found that compulsory vaccination laws intended to protect the public's health are constitutional. That case was invoked a number of times in recent years as uh, states were defending their vaccination mandates. Okay, a bit of space history. On this day, 61 years ago, February 20th, 1962, John Glenn became the first American to orbit Earth. He took three loops around Earth and then plopped back into the ocean. All right, a bit of TV history here. 55 years ago, on this day in 1968, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood went national, starring Fred Rogers. We all remember him. It had been airing in certain local markets throughout the 60s, but on this day in 1968, it went national. As we typically do, a bit of 90s music history for all of you today. On this day, 28 years ago, Biggie released his song, Big Papa. And before we leave on this day, a happy birthday on this February 20th to Charles Barkley, who turns 60 years old today. Cindy Crawford turns 57 and Rihanna is 35. By the way, that last one is remarkable. Rihanna is only 35 and has accomplished so, so much. Congrats to her and happy birthday to everyone celebrating a birthday on this February 20th. Someone who's not celebrating their birthday on this February 20th, George Washington, even though it's President's Day today, he was actually born on February 22nd. So a little presidential history to leave you with today. I want to thank everyone for listening to the Mo News Daily Podcast. Please follow the show or subscribe on the podcast app you're listening to us on right now. So you don't miss a single episode. We will often put out extra episodes throughout the week like we did last week on Good News. So make sure again to follow or subscribe to the show. Also leave us a review if you can. Those reviews matter. They really help the show grow. So we really appreciate all of you leaving those incredible reviews for us on your app. And don't forget to follow the Mo News account over on Instagram at Mosh at M-O-S-H-E-H. I'll see everyone back here tomorrow.